Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Nerd Talk Ellipse, where nerd enthusiasts such as us come together with a common goal to geek out and preach nerdism in yesterday's and today's nerd culture, featuring your hosts, Lane Stipe and DJ Pin Hollow. This is Nerd Talk Ellipse. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us for episode... 12 of Nerd Talk Lips. My name is Lane. And my name is Deej. And as always, we're here geeking out weekly with our listeners about our favorite nerd topics. Marvel and DC, specializing in the CW's Flash, Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow. To Harry Potter, The Walking Dead, Pokemon, Dragon Ball Z, and everything in between. That's right, folks. And today on our show, we're going to be talking about nerd news. The latest and greatest, of course. The Flash. Arrow. Fear the Walking Dead. And Dragon Ball Super, the Shenron Dragon God. And much more. Much well, a little more. more. Yeah, a little bit more. And without further ado, here comes Nerd News. It's time for the latest in Nerd News with Nerd Talkalypse. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Nerd News, episode 12. This was from everything from last week till today. I did it all the way up until today because there wasn't a whole lot. So, first things first, we got Walking Dead news. Did you want me to read the big one? Yep. <laughs> As always. All right, so Wednesday, April 27th, Here's Negan arrives in the Image Plus preview comic book. This is Negan's origin story. We've been talking about it for a little while. It makes his debut. Um, let's see. The first four pages of Negan's pre-apocalypse occupation have or and life have revealed that it appears that Negan, prior to the world falling apart, was a school teacher uh, and a ping pong coach, which I meant to bring up to you that he wasn't just a ping pong coach. Okay, well, that's what you mean. It like- yeah, that's until I talked to Nate about it. He he's like he. I mean, even teachers at our school were coaches, but they also taught a subject. So right. we still don't know what subject he taught. He's a teacher and a ping pong coach. The story starts out with a younger, still sarcastic Negan coaching a few young men in their ping pong skills. When he is able to ruthlessly dominate one young opponent, he is he uses his colorful language and sexual references to further belittle the pupil. It's weird that they have a class strictly of ping pong. Yeah. I don't know what school that is. Well, you guys had a class of archery and we didn't. Yeah, but 
that was like a part of our year. It wasn't all. That wasn't just an archery class all the time. Right. That that could be the same thing too. Like a. But he says he's a ping pong coach. Yeah. I mean, like. At our school, they rotated out, so like you know, yeah. well, the, one, the, one, the same person still taught the same yeah. subject, but it rotated every twelve weeks. Different kids moved in. Yeah, so maybe it's something like that. Maybe I don't know. Depends on what part of the world he's from, really. I, mean, I don't know if he's from DC or not. Um, uh, let's see here. He's able to ruthlessly dominate his opponent using colorful language to belittle the people. After the people scampers off. The other two young men apologize, trying to stay cool in Negan's eyes. Negan, of course, wants to be the cool teacher in school. This is revealed when his girlfriend or wife approaches um, the following kids running out. Then things turn bad when she appears to have a seizure right in front of Negan and lose her footing. Um, but how about that? So Negan is pretty much the same before the apocalypse as he is now. The apocalypse did not make him the foul mouth dude that he is right and much like the fear of the walking dead's travis manawa he is a teacher so that's pretty interesting yeah the walking dead starts filming season seven on may 2nd 2016 which is today yep so they are out there filming today so that's pretty interesting this this i put in here for both you and i to take a look at it's pretty interesting rest up lay low I think it was right before they attacked them. Or no, maybe I don't really know. Yeah. So right, right before they attack Alexandria, at some point, that looks like they're getting either that or they're preparing for a lot war. This is something we, it was something we read already. Yeah. It's oh yeah, it's nothing new. But um, Thor's hammer, Mjolnir, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Mjolnir makes a uh, strange appearance in an issue of the Walking Dead comics. Um, I'm gonna post this picture on our uh, Facebook page. I mean, it seems to be a stretch. To think like I said, obviously, it's not Thor's hammer. It just is. It bears a very striking resemblance to the same type of hammer that Thor uses. It's, in some cases, could be a nod to Marvel and um, Thor in general. But it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, like I said, we're gonna post a picture of it on our on our uh, Facebook page, so you can see what we're talking about. Um, are you finding it? It's just a, like a smithing hammer, something they use for like metal smithing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine it just, um, it's just a pretty interesting little news blip that I found yeah. earlier in the week. Because it resembles a lot of these smithing hammers. But season seven is expected to bring lots more Negan and particular storylines and characters from the comics. Here are seven things that need to happen. Negan not taking any shit from anyone. Guts. You had guts all along. They were inside you. Remember when he did that? To who? Spencer, I believe. He oh. was like talking. He's like, you need guts, kid. And then he cuts him open. Yeah. And he's like, guts, you had them all along. Yeah. Like they were just inside you. <laughs> the sanctuary and Negan's many wives. This is a little bit of spoilers here, I guess, for people that don't know Negan from the comics. I don't want to say some of that stuff. You don't have to. Uh, yeah, this is all extremely spoilerish for the show. Okay. Well, then we'll just skip over it. I'm gonna give you guys. All right. Well, it, it, we're gonna say some spoiler things to the people that do read the comics. So if you don't read the comics, don't listen for like 20 seconds. Seven things that need to happen in the comics: Negan not taking shit from anyone, the sanctuary, and Negan's many wives. Negan and Carl, the dynamic duo, out of the darkness into the Dwight. Dwight's crossing Negan and playing for Alexandria. 
Maggie is Hilltop leader. All Out War in Ezekiel and Sheba. Alright. That's all for those spoilers. So and that and that brings us to the end of the Walking Dead news that we found this week. Um we don't got a whole lot this week. Yeah, it's the not too awful much. There's there's more Marvel news than there is anything, and there was no Star Wars news at all. But I imagine gonna, there's a lot of Marvel news with what's coming out. Yeah. So uh, DC Universe news. Um, the The Killing Joke is a highly anticipated Batman animated film starring Kevin Conroy as Batman and Mark Hamill as the Joker. Had a trailer release earlier this week. It was really awesome to hear these two back at it as Batman and Joker. This movie has a straight to DVD release month of July 2016 and a hard R rating. Uh, and DC Universe Online launched on the Xbox One within this last week. And that's caused us some severe frustration in the last 24 Absolutely hours. Absolutely frustrating. <laughs> it's very fun. Very flawed game. But there's a lot of, yeah. You guys got to get your shit together. This game's been around for at least five years to fucking fix that shit up. It's Coolest ridiculous. concept ever. I love oh, the concept Oh, it's fun. It's awesome, it. but it's just fucking yeah, stupid. Yeah, there's a lot of BS involved. Not even close to, close to the best MMO I've ever played. But... Whatever. I'm, I'm sure eventually we'll figure out a way to enjoy it, maybe. Anyway, Ben Affleck and Jeff Johns uh, rumored to have complete creative control over the solo Batman movie. And newly newly discovered this week, the rumor is that it's going to have a ton of villains. Oh, that's crazy. I'm like, we'll see Penguin. I wonder if we'll see like, all the villains in the All movie. the classic mo- movies. That'd be ridiculous. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Be like uh, Gotham brought to the cinematic universe. Yeah. Like the TV show Gotham, I mean. All right, well, I guess a uh, goodbye to Gotham. In an interview with Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, these two have been handling Gotham and its protective Dark Knight for five years, and this week they marked the end of Batman's run in the New 52 before DC begins its rebirth rollout. This was a suggested topic. Mm. We got um, uh, I got tagged in it last night from D. Greg Weibel. Again, that's your second shout-out for this. He tagged it and asked if we could talk about it a little bit. I read through it. It's not really anything that, that I've not read any of the Batman run of the New Fifty Two, but it does mark the you know the final issue of New Fifty Two for the you know the rollout of Rebirth, which I'm going to try to keep up with Rebirth, um, because and it's you know it's been five years. 2011 was before I even cared about comic books. It's crazy that you know, New Fifty Two is relatively a new thing now that they're doing it all again. Yeah, there's something that happened in Arrow last night. Or the episode of Arrow that I, I was while well, I was while I was watching, while well, I was doing some of the dishes and I didn't know if you caught it or not. But we'll get to that when we do our things. It's pretty cool. Well, that's it for DC news. We're gonna get into Marvel. Anthony Mackie, who plays Falcon in the Avengers movies and with Captain America, says Ben Affleck is the best thing about Batman versus Superman. Which so. we've said before. No, it's just cool hearing it come from the Marvel side that it is legitimate and. All the stuff like that, which... <laughs> is that why you read the first one? Oh, no, I didn't even know. Oh, okay. I didn't know if you read the first one, because I want you want me to read the second one, because it's the longest no, shit. No, you read the last one of that one, so... Um, all right, so Tom Holland, he plays the new Spider-Man. He explains in an interview how his Spider-Man is different from Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Um, and I'm going to I'm gonna be quoting for the next couple minutes here, but he says, It was very difficult to obviously... Er, to not obviously copy what Andrew and Toby had done, because what they did was so brilliant. The British actor goes on, I think our main difference is trying to keep make Peter feel like a kid. In the film, you see a kid reacting to meeting the Avengers for the first time. I think that's one of the things that people love about these films, is seeing real-life occurrences happen in these crazy films, and that that's exactly what 
happens to Peter in his house. In Civil War, Holland does just as he said. <laughs> Sorry, I'm bad at reading with punctuation. Um, his portrayal of Parker brings a sense of youthfulness to the character like never before, stemming mainly from his voice and fun, childish, and curious attitude. Yeah. So, based on what we've seen from the trailer, his voice is a lot, you know, he does sound like a kid, so, like, that's gonna, we're going to be seeing... He's the youngest-looking one we've seen so far. And apparently, Spider-Man Homecoming has a comic book counterpart. Really? Yes. Hmm. I just found that out. I don't know who the villain to, is. I kind of want to check that out. Yeah. I think it's one run. Like, one small... I think we've yet to see, like, a Mysterio in a Spider-Man movie. That would be awesome. Yeah, that would be really cool. Or a real rhino instead of that robot piece of shit from Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> Well, all right. Well, uh, Robert Downey Jr. says he feels like he could do one more Iron Man movie, which I like Iron Man four. I know I saw they were trying to think of uh, they were coming up with a plot for it. So, you know, there was talks in the past before we even started this podcast, but I think Robert Downey Jr. didn't want to do them anymore. He said or something, and he almost didn't do three. I think, you know, that which would have been weird. So, but now he's thinking about doing four again. So. You know, these Avengers movies and these Civil War movies must be really intriguing him enough to just keep with it. So that's awesome. I think I don't think he could be replaced, really, as Tony Stark. Right. Um, so the Russo brothers, they are the ones who are doing the uh, Civil War, and they did Captain America uh, Winter Soldier, and they're also directing the next uh, in, uh, Avengers movies, the next two, the Infinity War. Hey, no more. The Infinity War um, double feature that's coming out, part one and part two. And they said it's anybody's guess who's going to make it out of Infinity War alive, which is expected. Yeah. But there's 67 Marvel characters yeah. in that movie. So, I mean, that's just that's just insane. And, uh, Kevin Smith calls Captain America Civil War the greatest comic book, comic book movie ever made. I saw that too, and I'm like, well, then. Shit, that's, his, mean, that's his tweet right there. It didn't surprise me. Uh, and this is a quote from Kevin Smith. This is his tweet from Twitter. Watched at Captain America, hashtag Civil War, an amazing at 4DX underscore USA theater. Easily the greatest comic book movie ever made. Best Spidey flick too. Loved it. Loved. Loved. Uh, so this is cool. Did you see this? The Punisher yeah. TV series is officially coming to Netflix, which has been speculated for a while, but they've officially announced it. They put a teaser out for it this week. Um, John Barenthal will be reprising his role as Frank Castle. So yeah, he does an awesome Punisher. I yeah, I mean, we've only watched two episodes of Daredevil so far, um, and we just love it. There's two, you know, there's two awesome fights right off the bat. Yeah, first two episodes, Daredevil fights Punisher each episode. Fuck right, you. crazy. But yep, so that that's it for nerd news. Like a very light week. Like I said, most of it was all Marvel, and that was just there was still only what one, two, three, four, five, six things yeah. for Marvel. And there was I found no more Star Wars news this week. I mean, there there were a couple pictures of like like set photos that came out and right. um, ta- you know, like a tiny bit of talk about which is nothing new to me. I heard about this months ago before, like maybe even before we started the podcast about Ewan McGregor who wanted to, you know, how he wants to do a. a anthology film yeah, for Obi-Wan heard, yeah, Kenobi. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, it would be really cool. And then I, I also heard that they're speculating about doing a Yoda origin story and Fuck yeah. And like a ton of you know, a ton of stuff. There's there's Boba Fett, Yoda, like and I don't then the Han Solo is supposed to be a trilogy, so I don't know if they're gonna trilogy every single thing or That'd be ludicrous. If they're gonna well, I'd love to see Yoda in his prime. I think what what would be cool is if they they do the you know, they do Rogue One, then they do episode eight. 
and then they do Han Solo, then they do Episode Nine, and then they do another one. Then they do another one, and uh, you know maybe maybe start Episode Ten. Uh, you know, like another story, not like another Han Solo story, but like another, uh, like what I was saying, I want them to do like maybe do Han Solo and then do like another, maybe like a Yoda origin and then episode 10 and then, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. make the Han Solo trilogy last over six years instead of three years right now. I don't right know why row. they need trilogy of it. I feel like they could do it with one movie. I feel like they could too. I don't, I don't know why they're planning a trilogy either, but whatever. I mean, it is what it is, but that that's... I mean, the, and then there was photos of, like, the Millennium Falcon that came out, and it was, uh, you know, it was, like, on... There was, like, a, like a grassy knoll-type thing, and there was a bunch of steps and green screens all around it, and so they're going to try to replicate the uh, right final scene of Star Wars or whatever, but... Anyway, that's that's that for Nerd News, so we're going to... Sorry for the delay. I don't know if any... Is anybody even watching us? Uh, at the moment. Not at the moment. Okay, well... Anyway, so we're going to get right into Flash. This week's episode of Flash, I think, is episode 20? 19. It was episode 19 or 20. I can't remember what it was called. Back to Normal. We're getting close to Kevin Smith's episode. Yep, coming up real soon. Well, this, yeah, Back to Normal, he says. And just a normal day, Barry. Just a normal Barry day with no speed. He's all back to normal. And so it's, and it's funny because... He, like, did his work, and then Joe was like, that was fast. He goes, wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> He's like, it was just funny. Because he wasn't just regular. So, yeah, Barry doesn't have his speed at all in this entire episode. Yeah, it's, <clears throat> it's weird. But, I mean, overall, the episode was pretty good. For an episode where Barry has no speed, I liked it. Um, yeah. So, it, I'm having a real hard time remembering exactly how it starts out. but Well, it starts off with him, like, had his speed, and then he was talking about, like, he was doing all the stuff really fast, and then it sh- and then he like dropped his coffee cup and he caught it, and then it and then it showed him doing pretty much the same stuff without his speed, and it's just real slow. And then yeah, and he actually just spills his coffee all over himself, and he's just having a real bad day. And he's just staying at he just like at the lab late at night, saying he can't sleep, and Wells can't sleep either. And Wells to- is being a big douchebag to him. I can't remember exactly in what context. I don't. I think he was just upset that Barry gave him his speed because it was stupid. He just made him even more invincible in his eyes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then he's he's pissed. So he's going to find his daughter. Yeah. And he uses. Uh, I wrote it down down here, somewhere. It's called cellular. Where the hell is it? Pretty much the the gist of it is is that she they give off different vibrations. Cellular dead zones. So he uh, looks for all the dead like so wherever they're around, uh, the cell phones don't work properly around her or maybe even him, which is weird because I'm pretty sure I've seen them use their cell phones around wells and stuff. But right, whatever. But the the whole episode is based around Barry having no speed and you know there's se- there's several subplots going on but one of the biggest subplots is Caitlyn being trapped on Earth 2 with Zoom. Yes. In Zoom's lair. And that's pretty it's pretty interesting the things that the things that are said and the things that happen in this and they keep they keep flashing back toward it um telling the story little bits at a time. But the first one you just see Caitlyn sitting on a bed that Zoom's been keeping her on and um they kind of get to talking about, you know, why she's there and what's going on and um, certain things like that, and then there's a whole another subplot 
where Wells, you know, Wells wants to go find his daughter Jesse by searching through these cellular dead zones, and um, you know he gets kidnapped by a random stranger um, with with metahuman abilities, and and we have no idea who it is at first. So you got that going on. You got Barry trying, you know, trying to live life without his speed, and they're trying to monitor where Wells is and trying to figure out, you know, how they're going to get Caitlin back. So there's like three things going on. Um, what are you doing? Looking at like something. Just keep talking. Okay. Um, so like I said, um, Caitlin's got Caitlin's standing there having a conversation with Zoom, and uh, then Zoom goes away to do something, and Caitlin gets up to take a look around the room. And she sees those three prison cells that Barry and Jesse were in, and then the man in the iron mask. And uh, she ends up meeting her uh, doppelganger from Earth Two. So Caitlin Snow meets Killer Frost, and it's very uh, interesting. Yeah, it was cool. Is uh, yeah, it's a very interesting uh, like mirror image look, and um, because I still can pull off brunette. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like Killer Frost has some charisma, man. Yeah, it's weird. The weird seeing her act that way, like completely different than Caitlyn Snow. Yeah, and it's I mean, and Caitlyn, I'm pretty sure Caitlyn like faints, doesn't she, when she meets him, meets her? No, I don't think so. She doesn't faint. That's too cliche. That is way too cliche. But regardless, um, um, oh man, I'm losing my train of thought here. I haven't had enough coffee apparently. Um, yeah, like, uh, Zoom is, like, kind of taking care of Caitlyn. Caitlyn isn't locked up in a cage or anything. She's just kind of free to roam around, and he takes off her cuffs, and that's when she goes and meets, she meets Killer Frost. She's, I think, Killer Frost is in the same cage as Barry was, and then the guy in the Iron Mask is doing his little Morse code thing, and it's crazy to me that Caitlyn wasn't picking up on it. You know, I feel like she's smart enough to recognize what he was doing. Yeah, I still think it's. I still think you can trump up the excuse to her just not being happy that she's there and not even paying attention. Yeah, but to she's what a super saying. genius. At, she know, is a super genius, but she would realize. I'm that not. Saying, I'm not agreeing that it doesn't make sense. I still. I mean, if you're that smart, you'd think you'd be picking up on everything. But another thing that I forgot to mention, she calls Zoom Hunter Zolomon right to his face, and he has some serious flashbacks. Um, about his mother and stuff like that. And, it, you know, you can tell it's really fucking with him. Right. Um, let me see. We got the cellular... And Wally also confronts Joe wanting to meet... He wants to meet the Flash. Like you know, he Was that this episode? Yeah. Yeah, because he didn't have a speed when they met, remember? Oh, that's right. He that's like right. he went up to Joe and he's like, can you please introduce me? Like, this happened earlier in the episode and Joe was like, I don't... I can't do it. Like, I just can't and... You know, because he's like, it's just not going to, it's not, you know, he didn't want to put Barry in that situation or whatever. And so, and then he kind of drops it for a little bit until later on in the episode. So, Wells leaves to go find his daughter, uh, and he's, he's chasing cellular dead zones, um, you know, across wherever she is. We all know she went to Opal City. He has no idea. He ends up finding her, and she's not very uh, thrilled to see. By the way, speaking of Jesse, she was wearing a shirt that said F-U-X and then something else. Really? Fucks. fucks. It said fucks on it. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know what it meant. It, was, it could have been anything. could have been a different language for all I know, but yeah. I just thought it was interesting. Um, I'm pretty sure she was... It looked like she was wearing a shirt for college, like a... I thought it was like a college shirt. But. It looked like a band shirt, kind of, but it was. Yeah. It said a bunch of different phrases on it. Or different different words on it, but the first, the first word it said, it was either R-U-X or F-U-X or something. It was hard to tell. But I I almost want to say it said F-U-X. Um, so speaking of fucks, she has no fucks given when Wells shows up to her to her house. 
she doesn't want to uh she doesn't want to go with him. She's, you know, she's afraid of the man he became to save her life, which I I don't know. I don't I don't agree with it entirely. I don't agree with her thinking process. But it is she what it is. That her dad killed somebody for her. Yeah, and I, I mean what else did she expect him to do? I don't fucking know. Not, I mean, he didn't kill somebody like defending. He just killed the guy in cold blood while he was like past that, like you know, uh, defenseless. I mean, that's probably a lot of what it was. Yeah, I just feel like I would do the same thing if I was trying mm, to save probably that, save Emily or yeah, of course. But I mean, he's not facing any repercussions from it. Like right. Besides her being that way, you know what I mean. She's playing the. The, the judge and jury and against her father. I just think it's ridiculous. But whatever. It's not going to stop the way she's thinking. Um, so he leaves her alone. You know, and he's like, fine. And he just leaves. And on his way back to Central City or something like that, he gets captured by a meta, a super meta human um, with super strength. Is all we know at the time. He, he stands in front of the car. He's like, just stands, blocks it. Like, yep. like Superman does in front of a train. He just kind of stood in the way of the car, and it crushed into him. And it was awesome. Yeah, and he rips the door off and takes Wells hostage. But it did make him bleed because Barry scraped blood off the front of the car. Right. Yes, it did make him bleed. Which is crazy. So he's not in. He's not invulnerable. So, um, and then, and then it, like I said, it keeps bouncing back and forth. So it bounces back to uh, Killer Frost. She wants to work out a deal. She wants Caitlin to get her out of the the, the cell which was impenetrable to speedsters coming out. So Caitlin figures out a way to you know take care of the take care of the glass by hooking it up to something and like a battery like she electrically charged each like two points of the glass to weaken it from the middle and then it just it made know, it just she, as viable as regular glass instead yeah, of so she smashed it and, and then and then it bounces back right to uh Wells being captured and they're they're in an old uh uh, amusement park. Yeah, like a carnival. Yeah, an old Ferris carnival. And, and um, we find out that Wells was taken by a man named Griffin Gray. Which in the comic books, Griffin Gray befriends Bart Allen. Right. Which is way younger, like Iris's grandson. So, you know, so, I mean, he's a little bit early, <laughs> you know, seeing the fact that he's an episode with Barry Allen when he's like still learning to be the Flash opposed to in the comic books when it's Bart Allen after Barry's long gone and Wally West is long gone and it's just crazy did you mention his strength suit his what his like his uh powers no so Griffin Gray is a um he just has he has super strength i don't i mean i don't think he could go punch for punch with superman or anything no. but he um he takes like an iron disc in front of Wells, and you know, basically, is trumping up the the uh, particle accelerator to you know, well, this Wells' fault, even though he doesn't know that it's not the same Wells that that did right. the uh, particle accelerator explosion. And he goes, "Well, what did I do to you?" And he takes this big iron disc and he just crushes it like garbage, right? He crumples it like paper, and he goes, "Oh," he goes, "You think someone like that would be excited?" He goes, "I was at first until he found out that he's he's, he's ex- uh, aging. He's aging faster than anybody." Yeah. Anytime he exhibits power law or powers, he seems like he ages further. Yeah, like it makes his metabolism improve. Like I know, like in the comics, he has that same problem, but I don't think he aged nearly as fast as he did in the show. Like, no, it was quick. He aged so fast in the show, but you know, he was around for a while in the comics with Bart Allen. You know, like so he's happy-go-lucky. He shows a picture to Wells of him 
one year prior to that day. He was like and, a boy. <laughs> yeah, and he was a little boy. He said, I'm 18 years old, and and he looks like he's f- fucking 40. Right. And you know what I mean? So so Wells works on a, form, a serum to hopefully uh, help him out. Um, and then and then then the, the subplot about Wally wanting to thank the Flash for saving his life comes into play, and that's when he talks to Joe and Joe and all that stuff like that. And, and Joe finally gives in because you know Wally gave a quite a, quite a good speech. He's like, "Oh, I've never, you know, nobody's ever done anything like that for me before, and I just want to show my gratitude." He goes, "You know, I grew, I grew up with this and that." And then Joe feels kind of bad, so he goes, "All right, I, I'll set something up." And then right. So and then uh. I can't remember exactly what happened, but I'll just tell you. He, you know, he meets Joe on a roof, a rooftop somewhere, and then uh, he looks in Flash. Has I guess uh, Barry is wearing some type of voice changer thing because he obviously can't speed up his voice box anymore. So he, he's standing at a, you know, a little bit, little higher up on a different building and a little far, far enough away so where you can't see him because he also can't do the face vibrating thing where he's not recognizable. So he just talks to him from there, and Barry Wally pretty much says thank you. Barry says you're welcome, and that's pretty much it. And then Wally's so stoked, like. Yeah, he's real. He's real excited. But uh, yeah. So that, I mean, that was a cool scene. Like it was just interesting. The first time they really met, like he's seen him and whatever, but they haven't actually met each other. So that was cool to see. Um. Do do do. So Caitlin Freeze, Killer Frost, and um, Caitlin Freeze. Yeah, Caitlin Freeze. Um, Caitlin Snow Freeze, Killer Frost. Um, from the cell that you know she busts out and instead of being um hap- uh happy about her doing it and not and not hurting her or anything she um attacks her and try you know and tries to tell her that you know she's a villain pretty much she does an awesome sub-zero move from the mortal kombat games where she freezes the ground and caitlin goes slipping down it's awesome yeah and then she tries shooting an icicle right at her and uh and she shoots an icicle at her, but then a zoom comes running right behind. You see him coming in behind Caitlyn, and he runs right through Caitlyn. Like, he phased through her, and it was awesome as shit. And he grabbed the icicle and just kills Killer Frost right there. It was so fucking... That was such a pimp-ass scene. Yeah, he goes... He literally just right through her. It's cool how he runs through Caitlyn without hurting her. Like, you know, I've seen him phase through buildings and walls and stuff, but just to see somebody phase through another person is pretty awesome. Without hurting them, even. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why what you just said makes me think about that that thing from True Blood where that fly flies up that dude's nose and and the vampires it's a shapeshifter and he flies up this dude's nose and into the body and then re like shapes into a human inside this person and just blows him the one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my yeah, life it was the best zombie kill to date I don't like seen. True Blood I don't I'm not a huge fan of it but I walked out of out of the bathroom while my wife Amber was watching that scene and I was just well, like we were watching it together. We were, were you? Lo- yeah, I was there with you. Well, yeah, and I, I was just like, "Oh my god, that was the craziest thing I've ever seen!" Like that, it was just insane. Cool ass vampire kill, but anyway. So and then uh, Zoom like tells Scott, and she goes, "Why do you do that?" And he goes, "says He says some bullshit," and he goes, "I don't need her anymore." And then he looks at Caitlin and says, "If you free him, he dies too." To talking about the man in the iron mask, who we still don't know who it is yet. I feel like that's gonna be the finale. Yeah, probably. And then it, that's going to set up season three. Yeah. Kevin Smith did say season three is absolutely insane. So hopefully, Fuck yeah. hopefully a lot of things happen. Um, which speaking of which, um, last week we talked about the, uh, you know, this is just to confirm, well, you know, what we talked about last week, that portal that he does go through is definitely 
the portal he where he goes to the Supergirl for the crossover. Yeah, DJ watched the episode of Supergirl. I did not. A lot of it doesn't seem to add up too good, but I mean, whatever. Well, they're fighting that guy, Griffin Gray, and he has Wells. So the challenge is for Barry and them to defeat him without any powers whatsoever. Because I don't think Vibe still hasn't got his powers to where he can use them for fighting yet. And so they come up with a plan. They reinforce his flash suit, you know, his outfit, with the Dwarf Star Alloy. Which, as we know from uh, Adam from Arrow and you know, Legends... He uses, and his Adam suit is made out of this Dwarf Star alloy to protect. It's a very protecting. So their plan is to get this guy to exert so much of his strength and powers that he ages so quickly and so old that he becomes useless. So the whole point was Barry just has to take a, cu a couple punches from this guy and then hopefully the suit will protect him enough. So, what are you doing? <laughs> I couldn't see what that said oh. And so, uh... And then you know, they go in there and they go in the plane and they meet up at the thing, at the fe the carnival or whatever. And, and uh, Gri you know, Griffin Gray's he comes out and he's like, like he, he's very confident. Like, I'm not even sure if he knows Barry doesn't have his powers, but he's very confident that he can defeat him. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. And he like he's like throwing big ass blocks and bricks and this huge things across them at them and it's crazy. Every time he does it, he ages even more. Very rapidly. I think it's a little too rapid. Um, what are, where, are we outside of it yet? Are you talking about when they're outside? Yeah, they're okay. Yeah. yeah, and he... So he takes the one punch right to the chest, and it, it disperses the door store alloy that he uh, had on his chest. And then he gets another punch, you know what I mean? And he goes down pretty tough. And But it, after that happens, Griffin Gray ages to death. Yeah, practically. Um, he, he, he ages so old he died. Yep. Which sucks because you feel bad for him because he don't—he's just a simple kid. And now, he, I mean, if I if if I was me and I was dying like that, I would probably have captured Wells too and try to get him to solve me. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, yeah. having super strength would be awesome, but to find out that you're aging rapidly afterward, I I, I would agree yeah. with his motives. You know, on it. And they also had Jesse come with them because we forgot to mention this, but he's like, uh, with Caitlin gone, I can't analyze the blood and all this stuff. And then uh, she goes. Just he goes, oh well, one of my majors was biochemistry or something, and then uh, they're like, one of your he's majors. He's like, what do you, one of your? Ma she goes, yeah, out of five, and she goes, is that not normal here? He goes, he goes, nothing about what you're doing is normal on this earth <laughs> or something like that. It was funny. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, it's it's pretty interesting. Senator Senator Beyonce from Earth Two. Yeah. Um. So. Je so they, so as I said, Jesse's there with them, and then Wells is freed, and he gets to be reunited with Jesse. They kind of make up, like, and apologize, and she's, you know, she pretty much loves her dad again. And they get, you know, they hug each other, and he says, uh, you know, I love you so much, Jesse Quick, like, or something like that. So that's another foreshadowing to the well-known speedster named Jesse Quick. I wonder why her name's not Jesse Wells. I think it is Jesse Wells. I think he's just called, I think it just might be like a father-daughter nickname. Interesting. You know what I mean? But... In the comic book continuity, I'm pretty positive there's, there's Jesse and Johnny Quick. Yeah. So I don't know if, if, if you know, she had a... Bro what are you looking for? Never mind. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so there's Jesse and Johnny Quick. I'm not real sure um, if Johnny Quick will ever come into the picture, but there's so many Earths. So Supergirl happens on Earth 3. 
Right. You know, I mean, there is a central city, but there is no Cisco, no Caitlin, no Wells, no, you know, no anything. There's not even, I don't even, he didn't say anything about Star City. So I don't even know if there's a Felicity, a Green Arrow, or any of those guys, too, because that would have been, that would have been all right to go get Felicity to help. Right. But, I mean, and at this point of this universe, if I'm correct, before the New 52, there is an infinite amount of Earths. Like, there's no counting them. You know, right. Like, no, Barry know. says that in the Supergirl crossover. Okay. Yeah. He draws, he draws a whole bunch of them. You know what I mean? He goes, for each Earth, there's more Earths and blah, 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 blah. Like, there's literally an infinite amount. Like, yeah. And then, and then one of them, he goes, you're talking about infinite Earths, right? Like, it's very obvious what they're doing. Right. Like, they're, yeah, absolutely. They're very name, na- name dropping it. And then at the end of the episode, I think, unless I dreamed it, but I think, because like, because uh, uh, Kara has no idea, you know what I mean? Because they're like, oh, did Barry get home safe? They're like, I don't know. She's like, I have no idea if he got home safe. Hopefully he didn't die in some crisis. Oh. And I was like, oh, my God, really? But, you know, whatever. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. So, so, you know, in the in the comic books, Barry Allen dies during Crisis on Infinite Earths. You know, I mean, and, and even at the beginning of The Flash, like when Wells is looking in his time chamber and, and, uh, and, um, you know, he, he, he says, show me the future. And it says, you know, Flash missing, vanishes in crisis. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know if they're foreshadowing what's going to happen in season three. That would be insane. It'd be crazy to, to show a crisis on Infinite Earths without the rest of the Justice League. Though. It would be crazy to see that. Um, I mean, I don't know how they would pull it off. I mean, and I know it's mostly revolves around Barry Allen, but still, like you said, all the other guys are relevant in that story. I wonder if they would, if they are. I know they're not. They can't contrap. They can't use. Like that's why in, in Supergirl you can't see Superman so often. Like you can see him. Like you see his feet, or you see him like flying in, and the sun's in right. his face. Like you know, and they talk about who he is. Like they talk yeah. about Superman. They talk about Metropolis. So like. You know, I don't know if it's something licensed to, due to the fact that it is, you know, revolved around Kryptonians and Krypton and stuff like that, that they are allowed to mention it, but they're not allowed to talk about Gotham being a thing. You know what I'm saying? So maybe, like... That's stupid. Maybe man. Supergirl could do, cri- you know, like, Crisis and have Barry Allen, have it be, like, a whole crossover season where, they're like, involving both shows. And, like, that would be nuts. Like, See, because, uh, I mean, not, not to spoil anything, but Supergirl also dies during Crisis on Infinite Earths. That would, yeah, that would be crazy. And that was the saddest goddamn thing, dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> when I listen to that graphic audio and Superman is just holding Kara, dead body in his hand, he's just fucking wailing. Oh, my God. I mean, like, I, I really want them to show more Superman. They talk about him all the time. And they talk about his his love of humanity plays into the season one. Right. You know what I mean? Because he's been there for long. He's been there since he was a baby. So he's more he's more human at heart and brain by, you know, than Kryptonian. So he's more susceptible to human things, right? Than Kara is, and um, you know, and that and you'll you'll see there's there's like a big thing that's going on. Lane hasn't watched any of Supergirl yet, so any of you out there that have seen it, you know, what I mean, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because when it first happens, I was like, "What the hell? Like, how is that even possible?" Even Amber, my wife, who's not is up and up on comic books, was like, "How is that possible? That doesn't make any sense." But um, you know, they explain it in a loose, all right manner. I guess it makes sense. Um, but I don't know. I guess we're getting off topic here. Yeah. Well. Anyway, the episode comes close to an end. Zoom is talking to Caitlin, and he's say- she's saying things to him like, "Why are you gonna do this and all that?" And I want to go home. He goes, "We can both go home or something like that." He goes, "I've already conquered this Earth." He's like, "I'm gonna conquer all the Earths." And then so like he just kind of rushes off with her, and I guess they're on their way to Earth too. I mean, back to Earth one. So 
And right at the end of the episode, Wells decides that he's going to give Barry his speed back by recreating another particle accelerator explosion to give Barry his speed back, which would lead into possible Jesse Quick or Wally West. Jesse Quick or Wally West Flash. We'll see. One of them could possibly potentially walk into it, or the particle accelerator explosion could go way wrong and cause the whole Star Labs to blow up again and create even more metahumans than we had before, or enhance the metahumans that already exist even further. That would be insane. Well, I imagine they're going to do everything they can to contain it. That That's what I'm saying, too, that, I think. Because originally, when uh, not the Wells original from Reverse Flash, uh, Bartholomew, no, what's his name? Uh, Eobard. Eobard Thon. He made the, he exploded the particle accelerator on purpose. Right. He didn't even try to contain it. Well, that doesn't mean that like. So they should be. If that they're doesn't gonna mean that like the wrong thing could happen yeah. at the right time, or Zoom could come in. Yeah, and, and get wind of what Wells is doing and just like fuck shit up. Yeah, and make it. You know what I mean? Maybe maybe he'll think that it'll give him even more speed, and that'll be the way they kill Zoom or something like that. Like. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I I feel I feel pretty confident we're gonna see another speedster sometime soon, a good speedster. Yeah, not like trajectory or anything like no, that. No, fuck that bitch. A real speedster. Right. But yeah, so I mean, this episode of Flash was awesome. And trajectory a, died, didn't she? She like ran. She into ran oblivion. herself into oblivion. Yeah, that's awesome. That was a, such a cool scene. Not, yeah, it was pretty good. That was how they figured out about the blue lightning. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that finishes off with uh, Flash this week. I do want to say that this season is going completely different than I thought it was going to end up going. It's crazy as hell. I love it. Yeah, it's really, really good. Uh, the the things that we thought we were going to find out about, like, about Zoom, uh, Jay and Hunter and things like that, we just, you know what I mean? The, the thoughts we had are not the thoughts that they're giving us, and it's just cool. It's cool That's to not though. be able to be – it's cool to be – these are the instances where it's awesome to be wrong because you're like, hell yeah, I didn't expect that, and it's great. I don't want it to be too obvious or too, like, you know, I want to be surprised. Though. Right, which one could argue that's the same – it it sucks because during this show it's great because we're not huge on on the you know the origins of the Flash in the comics we know about them but there's so many stories and so many things that happen we just don't know but when it comes to the Walking Dead it pisses us off when they don't follow the comics directly right. so I mean, there's still things that happen that don't that I don't like too much like like any I don't like a Flash that I know of I don't think it had anything to do with a particle accelerator it was just right. You know, it was just that he had a metagene, and then the things, right things just happened. So I don't, they're like, I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Like they're giving every every meta human you see has something to do with the particle accelerator, but what all the metahumans all over the rest of the world? Like, yeah. You know, like, how are they going to justify that? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, they're making it seem like it's not a natural phenomenon, which it actually is. Even, um, hell, man, even in Supergirl, some of the origins that happen. You know, what I mean, like there's there's a couple of there's a couple of villains that that she fights that aren't, you know, aliens. Yeah. You know, most of it is alien based. Like right. they, she fights a lot of aliens, but there's a couple of them that get their powers for no reason. Yeah, like, they exist though. In 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 the in the crossover specifically, is you know it's Flash and Supergirl versus Livewire and Silver Banshee. Right. And Silver Banshee's like, I mean, it's a her her power is like a curse kind of. You know what I mean? So yeah. she's kind of had it, but like. The live wires, I, it was um, it was like uh, I, I don't think it had anything to do with meta. She had to have had meta a meta gene, and it had to have been activated by some sort of trauma. Right. You know what I mean? Which which it shows how that happens. I'm trying to not spoil anything for you. Right. I know how it happens, no, but yeah. That's a, um, now we're gonna get into Arrow episode. Uh, I think it's 18. Called Canary Cry. 
Yeah, I think it's season four, episode eighteen, Canary Cry. Now I kind of sort of have a lot of notes. Of this, if you Jesus want to, Christ. yeah, dude. I I was trying. I was watching a recap, and I was just taking notes. But mm-hmm. so if there's anything that I forgot, you know, by all means. But this this episode was real, really, really sad. I. I don't. the The way it started off was very confusing and very misleading. Right. I mean, yeah, I could assume immediately that it was a flashback. Well, yeah, but at first, that wasn't that was the farthest thing from my head was it being a flashback. Um, and you know, was, there was no flashbacks to the island on this episode. No, they were all season one flashbacks. Yeah. Um. Okay. So this episode kicks off with a funeral. Surprisingly, Laurel Lance delivering a eulogy, in which we find out it is Tommy's funeral. Right, um, the flashback to season th- this flashback to season one laden episode has the feels for sure. Oh yeah, it's all they do is talk about Tommy and you know and they go you know and they go into some detail about what happens that we didn't see the first time. The flashback to season one laden episode laden. Yeah, like the whole episode is. Mm. The whole of Team Arrow is severely struggling with Laurel's death, but the hardest to watch is Captain Lance and Dinah, D- 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 who continuously keeps thinking that much like Sarah Laurel could be revived. Uh, her mother. Yeah. Lan- Lance is in denial, crazy. Like, it's like, well, if if Sarah could be revived, why can't Laurel be revived? And because uh, he was talking to uh, Nissa Al Ghul, mm-hmm. she's saying, well, I de- destroyed the the pit. The pit is gone. He goes, well, there has to be another way then. Like. He just, you know, he can't accept it that it ha- that it, she's gone. Like, which is, which is normal because. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, after seeing one daughter get revived, and yeah. you know, what else would you expect? Defying death, defying the laws of death. Um, so another black canary is ravaging the city using the name, using the same name. I don't know why I put canary. Oh, using the same canary cry as Laurel's, as Laurel's baffling team arrows and Cisco said it was only tuned in with Laurel's vocal frequency. And they never explained that in the entire episode how she ended up being able to use it. I know. They never it's really specified. Aggravating. I'm hoping that there, there's some clarity there. See, at first I thought it was going to be. I thought we were seeing uh, Laurel from Earth too. That's happening in Flash. I know, I but I thought week. I thought we might. They might have introduced her because I was like, I think that because that's all, that was what makes sense. Like, yeah. If it's only to her vocal, they mentioned it so many times in the show. It could only be done with her vocal cords. You know, but somehow that girl figured out a way. I don't know. I, I don't know. They never explained it. It drives me insane when they do that. Right. That That's all you in that next one. So Oliver is worried that this new Black Canary is ruining Laurel's legacy because she's killing people. Like, you know, they even said specifically that the frequency of her Canary Cry. <laughs> canary Cry. Canary, canary, canary Cry. Cry. Her Canary Cry is a uh, much higher frequency, which is more dangerous and devastating. And uh, which Oliver... Oliver like pretty much concludes like you know he's wearing he's like even my earplugs didn't work which normally they would you know the team hell has earplugs so if when Laurel did that didn't fuck mess with them but this one it was going right through him so um so at the lair Oliver and Diggle talk about situation with his brother um Diggle feels feels bad that if he had listened to Oliver um instead of trusting his brother Laurel would still be alive no there's no like they said there's no way to really know that but he should have just listened to Oliver to begin with like yeah, but you he's know, like they said, blinded by blinded by family. He's well, not the only one. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, absolutely not. So this next one is the thing I was telling you about. On News Fifty Two, Alex announces via a press conference that ADA Laurel Lance has died and that her presumed killer Damien Dark is still at large. It was called News Fifty Two. I didn't notice it. <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool. I was yeah. like, that's interesting. 
I caught it out, out of no, nowhere. Just like this. Today on News 52, I was like, oh, shit. Crazy. So, um, an arms deal is going down in the parking lot when a woman dressed like Black Canary uses her sonic scream to knock the men down. This is the this is before what we yeah, just talked about. this is the about. first time she does um, um, Stealing everything from an uh, open car trunk and, you know, and, and make off. Or take off, I guess I meant to put. She wants... Her goal is to kill uh, Damien Dark or Damien Dark's wife. Yes, and Oliver Queen. Yeah, yeah, pretty much because they, she was one of the prisoners at wherever it was that Damien was keeping people prisoner. So, I mean, we'll, I'm sure that's in here somewhere. So at the lair, Felicity, Thea, and Diggle show up to respond to Oliver's call for Team Arrow, and then he looks at Felicity. She, he goes, she goes, you called for the team, so I guess she's back in the team now because you know after Laurel's gone, she can't, you know. It, Right. She feels like she also feels guilty too that if she wasn't that she may you know she was there behind her computers like normal, she might have been able to do at least something to help you know so she feels guilty. And uh, it says Lance shows up soon after with a newspaper that indicates Black Canary was back in action. And he's all hysterical about it like this is her maybe this is her you know he's just losing his mind like I, it's it's hard to watch. Yeah, it's it does suck because I really like Captain Lance and they're trying to discourage it which they they know it's not they they know she cannot be it can't be her and. uh and then so and then and Oliver goes and checks her bag, Laurel's bag of what sort of stuff that she had, and notices that her thing is not in there. So somebody did steal it. Right, and that's that at the point where he talks to the doctor and the oh, doc, thanks. and he says, uh, "Oh yeah, this is it right here." Did Amber make you a hot dog? Uh, when they head to the morgue to check on Laurel, her body is still in the drawer, taking the oh taking the wind out of Lance. Um, he runs out, but Oliver Oliver wait, stops wait, to tell Laurel's wait. doctor that he believes. The bun. That he believes somebody stole the sonic device from belongs. The doctor said that there was a fairly regular patient who might be a good suspect, but she can't tell him due to conf- the confidentiality rules. In the flashback, Oliver goes to Oliver's apartment. No, Oliver goes to th- <laughs> Laurel's apartment. Laurel's apartment <laughs> <laughs> to talk to her about Tommy's funeral. Oliver tells her that he stayed up all night working on a eulogy. Because in the beginning, we showed that Oliver was supposed to be talking at the funeral, but Laurel stepped up and did it instead. And she saw him, she saw Arrow, I mean, she saw Oliver from a distance and saying that, saying pretty much he just must be too hurt to come or something, whatever. And then, uh. Yeah, due to the fact that Oliver can't be here, I'll deliver the eulogy. So he, you know, he gets, you know, but he couldn't get past the idea that he failed Tommy because he was the Arrow at the time. And, but I don't think Laurel knew at that time. I'm pretty sure she did not know. Right. Yeah, she didn't know yet. So she tells him that he can't blame himself for what happened to Tommy, but Oliver says she would blame him too if she knew the truth. Right. So, um, so at his home, Lance calls. Oh yeah, Nissa. Um, let's see. Oliver's abandoned campaign headquarters. Felicity comes to find Oliver alone, beating himself up, <laughs> beating himself up over everything that has happened. Felicity says that. She's blaming herself too, but Oliver tells her that the reason he blames himself is that he's given that it's given him a reason for unreasonable situations. Yeah, it gives him an excuse. Right. So, uh, and then this, so yeah, calls Felicity to say Lila called looking for Diggle, but that he was supposed to be checking in on her. So Diggle would kind of went a little bit of AWOL, I guess, and he. He attacks. Um, he's just standing right in the middle of the road with his gun out, pointing at the, dri- the limo driver where uh, Damien Dark's wife, what's her face? Ruve. 
is is you know she's in the back and then you know he he has her he pulls him out and pulls her out and she goes do you have any idea who he's like, I don't give a damn who you are and he like pistol whips her like he he is fucking pissed like <laughs> yeah he's he's uh I don't I would never want to be on the other end of that and he's about to shoot her I mean he just has the trank darts you know he's not gonna kill her but Oliver arrives and knocks the gun out of his hand with an arrow telling Diggle he can't attack the mayor of the city no matter what who she is. Diggle says that he has to find his brother and get him off the streets. Oliver tells him that Laurel would expect them to be better than this. Right. So, later on TV, uh, Mayor Adams blames Team Arrow for killing Laurel, saying that Black Canary attacked her chief of staff, and then one of the vigilantes attacked her car tonight. She has ordered the DA to issue arrest warrants for Team Arrow, starting with the Black Canary. Right. Oliver knows that a frightened teenage girl is now in the crosshairs and says they need to find fake canary, Evelyn Sharp, before the police do. He found this out by talking to the doctor that, uh, you know, because he walked into the hospital in the episode before this one with, as Green Arrow, with Black Canary in his hands. And, and he's like, thank you for your discretion, you know. She goes, well, doctor, patient, privilege, you know. And she knows she, like, and she goes, and she saved the city more than, you know, so she she's really on board with it and she knows who they are. Yeah, but she couldn't tell him his, her name. I know. That's what I'm getting to. Oh, okay. And then he, and then, and then he was asking, he's like, is there anybody that would come in here that you know? She goes, well, it's a girl that comes in here every so often, every like every month or something like that. And she goes, and he asked her for her name, and she says, sorry, a doctor-patient privilege goes both ways. Like you know, like I can't even tell you pretty much. So, um, but they find out themselves because they're Team Arrow. So then Nissa calls Oliver to talk about her fear that Lance is in pain, but also denial. Oliver tells Nissa that he's. At- He's agonizing over not being able to help. Yeah. In the flashbacks, Oliver and Laurel, Laurel sit around looking at pictures of talk and talking about losing Tommy. She asks him about what Ollie had said earlier about wanting to make the city a better place and suggests they could do it together. The two kiss and says he's excited about so the future, she, but Oliver she, is clearly upset. I don't remember that scene at all. Um, I do. Yeah, she said that they could they could work on it together, and all, or Laurel says she's really excited, but Oliver doesn't like the idea of it. Pretty much. I don't remember that. Don't. <laughs> They're like sitting on the couch. It's weird. It's short. Um, so at the former League of Assassins hideout, Oliver arrives to stop Lance, who is looking for a league, looking for league members who can help him bring her back. Oliver tells Lance that if uh, if there was any way to bring her back, he would, but there isn't. I don't remember that either. <laughs> I don't. I'm, I I remember all all this very much, and not that. I don't think that. I don't remember him meeting up with any other League of Assassins members. I oh, know. He, he shows up looking for them there, Where? but they're not there. It's a former League of Assassins hideout in the city. And it's, it, it, probably not too, it might not even be that spot, but um, that's why I assumed because he wanted to go find a way. And then Oliver shows up and he's like, Lance, you know, he's like, Lance, trust me, if there's, you know, if there's a way to do it, I would do it, but there isn't. It's all, you know, it's all gone. There's nothing else that we can do. She's gone. Well, Lance tells him that Laura was his rock, the one who helped him through losing Sarah, through his divorce, everything, you know, his alcoholicism, alcoholicism, whatever the fuck you want to call it. He said he can't imagine functioning without her. Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard. It's tough. This is, like I said, they somehow made the death of Black Canary sad again. Right. So, so at the lair, back at the lair, uh, Felicity... Apologizes to Diggle for not speaking up fast enough to help him with his guilt. The two talk about it, uh, encouraging one another that what happened wasn't their fault. Um, later at the grave, Oliver stands alone before a headstone. When Barry arrives, Oliver tells Barry he's going to kill Dark. He ha- He's like, I have to kill Dark. 
And then he, and then Barry says, "Is there anything I can do?" You know, and he goes, "I just want to be left alone." And Barry speeds off. So oh, I forgot it's to weird mention to that. me because you know the, the you know because it goes Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday for Flash and Arrow, right? Or is it Tuesday and Wednesday? Tuesday, tu- Tuesday, yeah, Flash, Wednesday. Wednesday, Tuesday, Flash, Wednesday, Arrow. Now, in Tuesday's episode, Flash did not have speed, but in Wednesday's episode of Flash, he did. I mean, in Wednesday's episode of Arrow, he did have speed. So. I don't know how the where they are in time wise. It's di- it's different. Arrow was Arrow's now an episode behind, I think, because the Flash aired without any other thing airing. So what? Then this episode happened before Barry lost his speed. I think so. I think that's the only way to look at it. Like I think because yeah. episode this is episode eighteen of Arrow and Flash is on episode nineteen. Right. And then he he just says oh, he's like zoom. And he's like yeah zoom. Right. Um, and so. Then- yeah. So and then this is a he. Then he touches the face of Laurel's headstone and cries, and then he remo- like I guess he moves some flowers and some brush and it says and beneath her name it says, the Black Canary. Because before this we didn't mention it, but Oliver goes on like a press conference thing talking about, you know he spoke you know he was but there was news people there and then he was speaking about the DA or Laurel Lance and he announces to everybody that she was the Black Canary. Right, and everybody's really blown away yeah, by it. Like he's like, do not take her name, you know, do not belittle her name. Just meet, just and, you know, she. And she says she canary. was a hero, and the person that was doing it was the fake Black Canary. Yeah, she was impersonating her, and and you know, doing a lot of things wrong. So and Lance is just, and then but like, if you notice, her mom is just like, I'm not sure if she's pissed or like Lance. She's blown away by it for sure. Yeah, like she seemed upset. So. so so right after that, the scene with the headstone and the you know, it cuts away to the scene we've already seen before. Um, in the beginning of the season, but in the limousine, with the crying Felicity tells Oliver that they have to kill Dark. Oliver says he knows, but he doesn't know how. He says that he's seen the magic before back on Lee and you, and it's he's more... He's never been able to stop it. It's Yeah, it's more than just magic. It's darkness, and he's never been able to overcome the darkness. Felicity says that she refuses to believe that Dark is unstoppable, or Laura will have died for nothing. Which pretty much is what we said the last couple episodes, because this shit with Damien Dark is getting redundant. Yeah, I'm getting tired of Damien... But Oliver obviously had to get through. Uh, well, oh man, what is that guy's name? Which, the guy on the island, the black guy with the magic right now. I don't fucking even know. Not Strand. You almost said. Strand. I almost said Strand. I almost said Striker too. Yeah. Um, it's something. Yeah, it is something. It's like it's it's something. It's something with STR. It has to be. I don't know. Um. But yeah, he obviously gets through that. So there's a way around it. I just can't. You know what I mean? Unless that guy ends up morphing into Damien Dark somehow. or But Damien Dark's been around for a long time. Do you remember if in Legends that they... When Damien, when they saw Damien Dark, did he have his magic? I don't when know. he was at that... I don't know if he used it. He probably had it. Huh. Interesting. We just saw him. He was there, he was there during the arms trade. That He was there bidding on the arms, but he didn't... He didn't use any spells, as far as I know. Right, and he looked the exact same. Looked like he, he has an age today. Yeah, just like Vandal Savage. Yeah. You trying to find that guy's name? Yeah, keep going. It's bothering me. Well, we're done with Arrow notes. It's all Arrow. We're gonna get into Fear the Walking Dead. Do, 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 do. All right. So there's very little Fear the Walking Dead notes. This episode was cool. Yeah, but it wasn't. I'm not. Not it, too much happened, so it's not like, but still a good episode. Um. So, this is season two, episode four. It's called "Blood in the Streets." Um, and uh, the opening scene is really Rider. mysterious. Rider. 
Baron Ryder is his name. Damn it. Why couldn't I think of that? Ryder. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So, anyway, the opening scene is very mysterious. There's a tent graveyard, um, and it shows Nick. Um, swimming to shore from the ocean. Swimming to shore naked. from the ocean. Yeah, naked, and he's got his clothes in a plastic bag tied to his legs or his waist or something. Yeah, it was it was very confusing. I, I was thinking it was a flash forward or something, and they, and, but, I mean, it all, it all got explained, so. Yeah. And he's he like is a confident badass now. You know, he's just I like him. I yeah, hope he's around yeah, for a long I, time. I like him too. He's fucking confident. He's uh, yeah, he's he's right now. He's my uh, he's my if if Nick dies, we riot type deal. Right. Because I I like him. I I think yeah, he's cool. Absolutely. Um. Just when you think he's gonna do something to fuck everything up, he ends up not. You know what I mean? Like in episode two, whenever he goes to find those pills. Yeah, we thought. He I mean, he he obviously was looking for something, but then he found finds the other things, and you know, when you think there's something that's gonna fuck him up, he ends up telling him that it's poison and that these people right. are f- fucking corrupt and shit. So it's cool. Um. So, uh. Also, in episode, I think it was episode one. Alicia, the girl, uh, she was communicating with uh those people on the other boat. Our friends, your friend named Jack. They finally make their way to the ship. After a long-awaited arrival, they hey, made their they made their way to the ship, and they're here to fuck shit up. Yeah, like well, they pretend you know like one of the girls is pregnant, and they pretend like oh god help us, she's you know something's happened to her, she has like blood on her inside of her leg or something. They make it seem like she's, and then while everybody's distracted from it, they just you know like uh, he hits, they just attack everybody and tie him up. Kind of took them by surprise. Even only three of them, three of them versus all of them, and this I guess that even shows you what a little bit of surprise can do. So, uh, and he shows, shows Strand, he kind of freaks out, and he runs into his cabin, his cab, his fucking boat, whatever the hell you call it, and then he reaches in, grabs his rifle, and then you see him taking off on the little, like, you know, little, like, lifeboat thing. Yeah, what a pussy uh, he's, dude. He's being a punk-ass bitch, and then she's, uh, the guy, the main, the guy that kind of seemed to be the leader of that little group that took him over, was a shot at him, and he hit the boat. He hit his little boat, so the boat is flat, and Strand is slowly, shows him slowly sinking down, and just struggling, trying to get his radio put together. He drops the radio in the water. He just, not the cool, calm, and collected strand that we had come to see. Right. So, th- this whole entire episode, we're trying to figure out what the hell Nick is doing. He's, you know, he's he's walking around. He's covered himself in walker guts. Did you mention that? No. Okay, so he covers himself in walker guts from one of the walkers in the tent. Um, he's wa- You know, he's walking through this, like, Mexican neighborhood or... You know what I mean? There's, you know, there's one walker around, and he, he, it's weird. It doesn't make any sense. He's using a piece of paper. It's got an address written on it, so he's trying to get there, and we don't know what his motive is. And then this episode was also very heavy on the flashbacks. There's a lot of flashbacks involving Strand. All of them involving Strand and a man named Thomas Abigail. Yeah, and he seems to be some. He's like some from Russia or Switzerland or something. I, I'm not a accent expert. Right. So yeah, we see a lot of it, you know, it shows him like, so he's pretty much a swindler. He always was a swindler. I think he was telling him that he owned, because it was about, it was around Katrina, and he was pretending he owned land, I think. And then I, th- I don't know if the guy just got so drunk or he might have drugged him and then he stole his money. It's a very weird scene. Yeah. You know, and the, and the whole and the whole thing, like, kind of uh, starts making you think that Strand might be gay with this guy, and then, and then things happen where it doesn't seem like he's gay with him. Have you even queued that up? Yeah. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I want to watch Community again. That's funny, dude. Um, so, yep, his name is Thomas Abigail, which is the name of Strand's boat, Abigail. Um, so, 
basically Strand's motives in this entire thing for going to Mexico is because he's trying to get to his lover. Somebody won't dad dear. <laughs> he wants to get to his lover, which is which is very interesting. Yeah. Strand does not come off as gay. Like it's I mean that's what surprised me too. Yeah. So and then uh you know, and then we come to learn that Nick comes across this community. Uh, do you already say that? Yeah. And then yeah. he finds somebody that was working close with Abigail. He knew Strand before, I think. I'm not sure exactly. Maybe a cousin or something. Somebody he ended up knowing. I don't know if it was that bodyguard, the security guard we saw with him in the beginning. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember really either. Sure. I call him Mexi Jack Black. Yeah. <laughs> well, Nick meets with the, the Strand's confidant, that guy we were just talking about. Mexi Jack Black. That's and his name. Mexi That's Jack his name Black. now. So, uh, then the plan, he goes, as far as he knew, it was just him, Strand, and the, and the Nick now, you know, and then he goes, well, what about us? He goes, us? He goes, like, it's like seven of us. He goes, I only have money and shit for t- three of us, two of us. Whatever. I can't believe he, he's concentrated about money. Yeah, like, the money don't mean shit anymore in this, this zombie apocalypse. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why he's doing that. I don't, I don't. It would be the first time in any, uh, in any iteration of The Walking Dead that anybody uses money. If he goes to Mexico and starts using money, like when he gets—that's just weird. <laughs> so, uh, you're this is you. I'll let you do it because you got it queued up again. Mexi Jack Black. No, well, like they pull up, like they're uh, him and. Oh yeah, sorry, I forgot. Him and Nick that. are coming up to the boat, and then Nick's like, "There's somebody on the boat." And he's like, "People have guns. They're not our people." So Mexi Jack Black pulls out his. His rifle, when he has a little sniper rifle thing, and he goes, they're not your people? He goes, nope, and just takes them out, blasts them in the head. And then at that exact moment, you know, the older Mexican guy, I can never remember his name, uh, he grabs the guy's gun as he's walking by, and then uh, somebody stabs him in the stomach. No, yeah, uh, the wife, the woman, I can't not remember these names, but the blonde woman, Madison, Madison, she sees the pipe that uh, her husband, Travis, Travis, puts in the couch, and so she stabs him, and then... Uh, Eric is fucking, you know, he's pissed because, you know, he was getting quite the that shit in the stick from this guy, and he is like just grabbing that thing and twisting him around and just fucking kills the shit out of him. Like, Who? Eric. Eric. You talking about New Carl? Yeah. Chris. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> new Carl. Just call him New Carl, it's easier. And then so, uh, and so they pretty much take, well, this is after Travis and Travis's daughter, Leisha. Leisha. <laughs> get taken by the guys because, you know, uh, Jack, Jack, Maxi Jack Black? No, Jack up here. Jack from the guy that took over the boat. He likes her, so he wants her to take her. Oh, with him. not Jack. And then they take Travis with him because he's useful because he hotwired that boat. So and then they left everybody behind, and they're like, "Well, at least they take him to shore." Like he, you know. So, but they take over, and now, um, we do find out that Strand is gay. And so, <laughs> so we we stream the episode on on line after it airs, um, and we so we didn't get quite toward the end. I'm not real sure if it was the exact end. It, it cut off a little bit, but uh, all we see is Madison saving Strand in another little lifeboat. So and they pretty much say we got to go after Travis and Alicia. Yeah, and on the way on the way there, they save Strand. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> Bye, Alicia. But so that's that, yeah, that's pretty much that. That's all there is to it. This episode was real short, but we're gonna go right into Dragon Ball Super. Oh yeah, we can't we can't not talk about this. The last episode of Dragon Ball Super concluded the tournament between Universe Six and Universe Seven. 
at the end of the last episode, the king of everything, Are you on this? who is absolutely the king of all the universes. Want to talk about DB Super? So okay. he got uh, the king of all the universe. He's just like a little guy, but Beerus and Champa are just horrified. Like they're like, "Holy shit, this guy!" And I was like, "They're like, should we be standing up here above him?" They're like, "Probably not." So they all jump down there, and all the Kai's go down there, and they're bowing down in front of this king of everything. But he just looks like a little boy. You wouldn't even think. He talks like a baby. Yeah, and then Goku just like walks right up to this guy, little guy. Like, you no, know, he's like, "Oh, he's like, I came here because you guys were doing something that you shouldn't be doing." He goes, you know, the gods of destruction shouldn't be, you know, out of their post. And then Whis, Whis and uh, Vados attempt, uh, proceed to snitch on their gods of destruction, saying that Beerus likes to sleep more than he likes to destroy. And Champa's a fat ass, and he won't eat anything but bad foods. And he's getting out of shape. And so then like, maybe I should appoint new destruction. They're like, no! <laughs> he goes, oh, I'm just kidding. And he goes, well, I liked what I saw here. And, and then he says that he wants to have another universe or another tournament with every with fighters from every universe. All twelve universes. All. That is going to be crazy. Crazy. And then Goku's, you know, Goku's stoked. He goes, "Really?" And so he like walks up to this the, the guy and these his two little bodyguard things like they teleport into the ground and come right back up in front of him. He's like, "I can't get any closer." And he goes, "No." And then like you know, Beerus is freaking like, "What? Are you? you cannot talk to a god so calmly like that." He's like, "This is ridiculous." And, <laughs> And you know how Goku was the same way with King Kai. He was the same way when he first met Beerus. He he doesn't care. He's just Goku. You know he doesn't yep. he doesn't see authority or power. He just or power, but you know he just doesn't. You know he just a friendly guy. So he walks up and proceeds to talk. And he goes, "You're an interesting guy." Guy he tells Goku, and um, I'm sure he recognized Goku's power. And then Goku reached out to shake his hand, like, "You promise we'll have this tournament?" And everybody's like, ah. <laughs> "Everybody's freaking out." And then the guy shakes his hand. <laughs> Goku like lifts him up in the air, and it's just. And Beer's like, <laughs> it was so fucking funny. <laughs> it was cracking me up. And so then the guy's like, you're an interesting guy. He's like, well, so we'll see you in the f- near future. And they just fucking leave. They fly out like. It's very, it's very, remni- Beerus's reaction and Champa's reaction are very reminiscent of um, in Battle of the Gods in the movie when Beerus shows up and everybody's just talking to him like a normal person. And Vegeta's right. reactions Freaking are just up. like, he's like, oh my God, how are you doing that? Why are you doing that? <laughs> it's funny. Like, I, I've seen Vegeta act that way is hilarious. And seeing Beerus act that way is even funny. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like a total role reversal. It cracks me up. And then, um, and then uh, it's funny. And then he says, he goes, he goes, that he could destroy all 12 universes at any moment if he wishes. Like, that guy, you know, that guy is that powerful. He could just destroy all twelve universes with in an in, instant. In one one move. Boom, done. That's crazy. Because so like, he wouldn't do that. He seemed like a nice guy. He wouldn't do that. Well, as I said last night, if he if he did do that, he would have nothing to do, nothing to rule, unless he can create them just as fast. Well, that's what I was thinking about the same thing as Beerus. I mean, Beerus. I mean, if Beerus wanted to destroy the entire his entire universe with the Dragon Balls, he would just he, what would he have nothing left to destroy? That would be pointless. Yeah. Like, Technically speaking, his duty would be. Fulfilled, and yeah, he, he probably would. wouldn't be a god of destruction any yeah, longer. He couldn't destroy anything. He'd have to go to another d- d- universe. He'd have to destroy Champ Ch- Champa. Yeah, but uh, there's got to be other gods of destruction. So yeah, I mean yeah, every universe I imagine has. I don't know. I mean, each universe is mirroring another, so no other universe is going to be quite like these two. These two are the ones that mirror each other. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the other another there there might not even be Saiyans in other universes, or maybe I don't know how they're going to do this. I st- I'm still I'm it's still crazy. hoping out for a GT universe being one of them. Maybe that would be crazy. Watch Go- Super Saiyan Four Goku fight. Oh my god, uh, dude, Saiyan that God's would Super be Saiyan. insane. Are you oh, kidding yeah. me? That oh, would yeah, be that fucking would be nuts. Too. So, um, 
So I guess Champa in the last episode before this one was about to kill all his uh, contestants because they failed him. You know he was furious, but then the arrival of that king or whatever kind of saved them all. So you know now they they're going to be part of the next tournament too. And but Champa lives up to his agreement. He gives Beerus the balls, the Dragon Balls, the the planet sized Dragon Balls, and it so happens that the planet that they were fighting on happened to be one of the Dragon Balls, the last one they needed. So it, what a coincidence that is. Like, it's a random lone planet they found, or like a meteor of some sort, and they just fought on it, and then it happened to be the Dragon Ball, of course. <laughs> what a quankadank. So they summon the easy-peasy, lemon-squeezy, apparently as part of the summon of the gods to summon these, this dragon. Yeah, that is weird. Easy, I couldn't believe it. I was like, is that really what they have to say? Right. That seems so ludicrous to me, but I mean, it's Dragon Ball Z. They've got to add comedy in there somehow. Yeah, that's true. So this, so the, so they they you know they they summon the dragon and they speak God to it, and you know and they, and they got some God language, and um and the dragon also coincidentally does, ends up speaking the same language, but we'll get to that. Um, go ahead. This is this is all you describing this dragon. All right, we knew we have been speculating how big this dragon would be because, in comparison to the Dragon Balls on Earth, to how big Shenron is is a massive difference. You know, he's huge. Now, Shenron is not quite as big as the planet, but each of these Dragon Balls is as big as the planet. So, seven Dragon Balls, each much larger than Shenron from Earth, are going to be used to summon this dragon. So, I was ex it was going to be huge. I was like, damn, this thing is going to be fucking enormous, like. It's going to dwarf planets, you know, like it's just going to be way bigger than the planets. And this thing comes out. It was the most intense dragon release ever. It took like a whole fucking seven minutes of just this thing coming out and just eating. Like, and it was just, you know, it was just huge, big ass gold dragon with wings. And it was like flying around the sun as it was gradually getting bigger. This made the sun look like a little ball. And then it was flying through the sky, eating galaxies. Like you see the little swirling galaxies in the sky and it's just eating them. And then he finally gets to mass his mass max, maximum size, I, I guess, and he's just dwarfing galaxies. Like, you, know, you can't even fathom. You can't even see him how big he is. You know, that close to you. Like, like you you just see galaxies floating all around him. Like, you know, he is bigger than like a hundred galaxies. It's fucking the craziest goddamn thing. I'm 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 gonna say thousands of galaxies. That is preposterous. Like, to be bigger than one galaxy would be was is would have exceeded my expectations of how big this thing would be. For him to be bigger than one galaxy would be crazy, but for him to be bigger than hundreds and thousands of galaxies just around, oh, it's fucking crazy. Yes, it is absolutely insane. Um, it, it was, oh my god, like, it's unfathomable to even think about. Like, there's nothing that big. Like, Galactus is not, Galactus eats planets. This fucking dragon eats fucking galaxies for breakfast. So. They didn't even have pictures of him up. Um. So, the, and the, you know, they kind of go into this weird little portal thing. Everything looks crazy and light. It's like your acid trip. And they come across a smaller version of... It's still much bigger than the regular Shenron. But Weez explain, describes it as it being like the nucleus of the dragon. So, because, as I said, if to see something that's bigger than thousands of galaxies, you couldn't even begin to fathom that. You couldn't even see it. You couldn't register. You couldn't. So, you know, they have to have some type of projection of it so they can speak with it and... We uh, they make a wish. You know, this drag these Dragon Balls, as we have said before, can grant any wish. There's no wish too powerful. You know, whatever any wish you can think of, it can do it. So, uh, Beerus makes a wish. He goes, "I want to wish for this," and he says it in God or whatever. And Weez is like, "You sure?" And he goes, "Yeah." And 
He makes his wish. The dragon says, your wish is granted. And the dragon fucking just, the dragon balls take off like any other dragon balls. And and then uh, they're like, what'd you wish for? He goes, oh, I wish for a bed comfier than mine. And Bulma's like, I could have fucking got you one of those myself. Like, that's ridiculous. But we soon learn that Vados pulls up her staff. And uh, Briar is actually asked to have Chompa's Earth on Universe 6 restored. Because as we know from previous episodes, the reason they even held that tournament was because... Champa didn't have the earth that Beerus did, and they wanted that delicious food. So Beerus did what seemingly was a nice thing to do. You know, it was crazy. But I even feel that the regular Dragon Balls could have done that because they w- they've wished planets back plenty of times. You know, on, on, in this Dragon Ball series, so why use those Dragon Balls for that? There must have been something else in that wish that we didn't know that might come around later. And so. Uh, DJ is finding this dragon right now. I'm going to post it right He's to our Facebook He's going to post it to page. our Facebook page, and you guys got to check it out. This thing is enormous. Like, it's 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 ridiculous to even think about. But <laughs> So, uh, um, and then that kind of concludes that. You know, the Goku's hell of excited for this, you know, this 12-universe tournament, which I was expecting from the beginning. I was like, man, what if they do a tournament with all 12 universes, and my, my wishes are coming true? So, you know, for the training Goku's going to have, and if Goku had done did that Kaioken with his Super Saiyan God Super Saiyan, for him to have the training he's going to have, he's going to master that move. Maybe times 20, maybe in Super Saiyan 3. Like, you know, who knows what's coming. Maybe Goku and Vegeta will do a fusion. I, I can't even be, I can't wait to see what's going to happen. What other universes, what fighters are going to produce. It's going to be fucking ridiculous, so. Um... Yeah, that pretty much ends the Nerd Talk Lips episode. If you have, aren't watching Dragon Ball Super, I know a lot of you are not really into watching it in Japanese, which I understand, but I'm way too big of a Dragon Ball Z fan to not watch it when it's coming out. I can't wait. I can't. So, if at least check this episode out if you want to see one of the most amazing things you've ever seen. So, There's one more thing we need to talk about before... Is it about Dragon Ball? Nope. It is about Wednesday. Wednesday... May, 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 May the 4th be with you. <laughs> we are on Wednesday. We know we normally do our episodes on Mondays. But as we have talked about before, we are doing May the 4th be with you, which is a national Star Wars day, which I'm sure a lot of podcasts that specialize in Star Wars will be doing. We are going to have guests on this episode. We're going to have guest Brandon, who was on an episode with us about Batman vs. Superman. So if you've seen that, he'll be back with us on Skype. We're going to have our good buddy Robbie Fugate, who is a huge Star Wars fan, always has been. And a, a guy we met dressed as Kylo Ren at the Star Wars release, Austin Aaron. I'm Aaron sorry, Dwyer. Aaron, Aaron Dwyer. This kid, I have never seen anything like it in my life. He knows his shit. I cannot wait to have this conversation with these guys. You know, We're going to learn a lot. So if you're a Star Wars fan you know, and you want to tune in, this is going to be a very educational episode. Check it out. You know, We're going to learn a lot. You know, they're going to, you know, because we don't you know, we know, we watch all the movies, but we don't know the stuff like they do. Like, I can't tell you names of the Ewoks. I can't tell you the fucking, all the, you know, I don't know that much detail. I know one Ewok name. What, from that trivia? Yeah. Wicket. Wicket. But, uh. But, yeah. So, we're going to be doing that May 4th, uh, um, probably at night. We're going to be live on Facebook. We're going to try to be live somewhere around between 7, maybe 7.15. Right. Um. Or, or you know, if it, if it's gonna be any earlier, we'll make sure we tell you guys. But that's that's the plan, um, you know. And then and then if you miss out on the live viewing or if you show up late, you can catch the first half of it. Um, 
or the back half of it, whatever, whichever you end up catching on, you know, our typical subscriptions, um, subscription-based services, iTunes, SoundCloud, Player FM, Stitcher, Satchel, TuneIn. So Aaron Dwyer, Robbie Fugate, and Brandon Allison. Allison, we got two days. Prepare your anuses. Prepare. Learn, you know, get up on all the Star Wars you're going to want to know. We're going to ask you questions. There's going to be trivia. There's going to be... Yeah, we're, we're going to be talking... Oh, there's going to be so much. We're going to be talking everything from The Phantom Menace straight through to The Force Awakens, theories about Episode Eight. Um, we're going to be doing live commentary during the whole show from the beginning talk till the end. We're going to be ta- you know, doing live commentary on The Force Awakens. I'm going to have it playing on the tablet right in front of us. Um, we're doing the whole thing with no with no notes. It was all going to be right off the heads. I mean, I might. The only thing I might do for notes is um, Star Wars news. If anything creeps up in the next right. week, it's the only notes that I'll take. So we're not going to. This is going to be strictly Star Wars episode for May Fourth. Our regular episode will be on next Monday again. So right. Don't. Yep. Yep. This for is all just of our a special. Loyal fans, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this this will be in two days. This is a double episode week. Um, probably won't happen again for a long time unless we have no other choice but to talk about it but yeah that's gonna be happening so I'm excited for that shit man yep two days from now we'll be we'll be taking we'll be taking on the wars the wars the so, wars so tune in make it our most popular episode ever we would really appreciate it our most popular episode to date is the walking dead finale episode yes. make this more than that and we'll be we'll be talking oh man like the walking dead season premiere episode is gonna be crazy yes sir i can't wait for that and oh, we're, we're definitely gonna be doing another like if you listen to our walking dead episode the intro was you know the negan clips everything like that i will be doing another one for the premiere with the with the negan clips uncensored from the dvd release that will happen those are more excited i'm more excited for that than i am for a lot of things well thank you i gotta go paint the toilet (laughs) i'll see you guys next time Nerd Talkalypse has assumed no claim and is not endorsed by material used in this podcast production. All music, sounds, and references are copyrighted under the franchise name. Nerd Talkalypse can be contacted by phone, email, or social media. You can contact us by email, nerdtalkalypse at gmail.com, on Twitter, at nerdtalkalypse, or by phone at 814-299-6653. For more content, you can check out our blog at www.nerdtalkalypse.weebly.com, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdtalkalypse. If you like what you heard today, we want to hear from you. Please leave us a review on iTunes, or you can find us in the Android market on Stitcher and Player FM. If there's a subject you wish us to talk about, please let us know. We will do our absolute best and research the subject and bring it to you next episode. Thank you for listening to Nerd Talkalypse.